This weekend at the box office, audiences felt they had to go fast to theaters as Sonic created a boom by way of a record-breaking debut. Plus, the round of 32 of multiplex mad... Sadness. Sadness. Begins. That was sad that I messed that up. Because that's so I did it on purpose. We're going over everything that happened at a theater near you on this, the 194th episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello everyone and welcome to What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. Each week we sit down and pour over the weekend's box office returns and tell you what we think they mean for the industry at large. I'm your host Brian. And I'm your host Noah and I think it's fair to say that Ambulance really got the uh, tail end of the situation at the box uh, office this week. Sure. I, they stepped up uh, They stepped up and really uh, just got a knuckle sandwich. Yeah, that's where I was going to. To their success. A knuckle sandwich. Uh, well, I don't think we should get too Jim carried away about nah, Ambulance's debut. Good. good, 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 good. Uh, do you have a top five for yes, me? Yes, I do. Well, I was waiting for you to lead me there. Uh, I never, you, you always say the top five. Well, speaking of Ambulance, uh, I have decided to honor that poorly performing movie. I'm going to indulge my inner five-year-old boy, oh boy. and list my top five, five Michael Bay from films. coolest service vehicles. Uh, this does not have to be a uh, you know emergency vehicle necessarily, though those Just are a vehicle in play. That performs a service exactly. Uh, number five is the cement truck. <laughs> uh, it spins. Yeah, because it spins. That's super cool. It spins while it's driving. I uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, it's just it just inherently is. Uh, number four, the aircraft carrier, okay. which just the idea of a floating mobile airport. From which you launch sure. and land sure. planes is just very impressive. Very cool. Uh, number three, our first emergency vehicle, the fire truck. Of course. I think yes. sort of the quintessential cool little boy truck, maybe the dump truck. But the fire truck, I think, is probably the loudest of the emergency vehicles. It frequently has guys just hanging off the side of it. Uh, it's got all the tools, it's got the hose, it's got a bunch of axes, it's got a big ladder. Uh, it's basically a transformer, mm. but just is a real truck. Uh, number two, we're uh, returning to the theme that Aircraft Carrier brought us, but uh, on a much bigger and cooler scale. You ever seen the ships that they use to transport other massive ships? No, I'm not talking like a tugboat here, but it's it's like a ship. It's like a ship not only to transport ships, but like to move like an oil rig okay. out into the sea. Uh, it's basically just this colossal ship. Uh, the uh, the like entire middle of which is actually kind of underwater. It serves as sort of like a why hammock. would that be cool for you? I uh, you hate anything underwater. It's not that far except underwater. for Kristen Stewart. It's not that far underwater. Uh, the sheer size of it is just is enormous. The things it carries are things you look at and go, that's among the biggest things. And this is the thing that's bigger, so big that it can carry those things. You got to look it up when we're done with this. They're incredibly cool. The massive ship transports. I'm not sure what the actual name is. Uh, and number one, I don't think there's any other answer than those helicopters that suck up water and then dump it out over fires. Mm. 
Uh, they suck it up. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Huh. Uh, you'll hear uh, you'll hear stories of like fish or perhaps the occasional diver getting sucked up what? with the water. I don't know if that's actually true or just one of those things that people say, but it is a story. Wow. I can tell you that much. Uh, but those things are just incredibly awesome. They're sucking up the water. They're dropping it over the fires. There's What more needs to be said? Well, this never worked for me, but if I was a five-year-old, just in general, not me, because I never really cared about them, but the, my favorite emergency or just service vehicle? Yeah. An ice cream truck. That's interesting. Hadn't considered that, but I do think it counts. They they perform a service. Yeah, sure. They keep the ice cream cold. What yeah, was it's, the first it's truck you had? Cement? It's the same thing. They bring cement places. This brings ice cream places. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's uh, I think that's fair and right. Yeah. Uh, good call there. Thank you. Ice cream trucks. Fair and right. <laughs> I. But on to our actual top five. I. Opening number one, as we already mentioned, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Supersonic. Opened with $71 million this weekend. Uh, Morbius came in at number two with $10.2 million. That's a hold, please. 73.9% drop. That's big. Uh, That is up to $57 million total. The Lost City came in at number three with $9.1 million, a 37.7% drop. That's up to 68.8. Ambulance opened at number four with $8.7 million. And The Batman came in at number five with $6.5 million. It was a 40.5% drop. That's up to $359 million. It's not getting to four hundred, just like I said it wouldn't. Our top story, the Batman, not getting to four. Top story, <laughs> Brian was right. Feature presentation, excuse me. Our feature presentation, because that's what they say in VHSs. You know, and now our feature presentation. Is Sonic the Hedgehog 2? As you said, it grossed $71 million. A lot to talk about here. Let's start with the more impressive stat for me. It Let's. beat... The three-day, because this opened on Memorial Day, it beat the weekend gross of Bruce Almighty's $68 million to be Jim Carrey's biggest opening weekend. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it beats... I don't even have what the first Sonic opened to. Uh, 40-something? 50? Hold on, I'll check. I had all these other stats that I had researched. You know what's weird is I typed in Sonic and then the, and I was like, that's enough. When in retrospect, Sonic would have been enough, I think. Probably. Um, so Sonic Hedgehog opened on, I believe, President's Day weekend, and it made 58. Yeah, it made 58 over its first three and then 70 for the four day. Okay. So this is an $11 million jump. And I would consider this a break. We talked about this when it came out and that it could be breakout status. I would consider this certainly breakout status. The first film had the highest grossing opening weekend record for any video game adaptation. Therefore, this has the opening weekend record for any video game adaptation. Um, This is a huge number. Schools are out this week. For spring break, the kiddos are going to have nothing to do. I think this is going to... This this could be real. The legs could be huge here. It has the same cinema score as the first one in A. Positive word of mouth. It's uh, got basically the same critical score as the first one. I, I think that this is a franchise that is going to get bigger and bigger. And when the next one comes out, it'll 
probably have an even healthier marketplace. Hopefully things will be back to normal. Hold on. So knocking on wood. Indeed. And so the sky's the limit for what this can do. Um, I think that this is just massive. And, you know, we were talking... Well, we I was reading before the weekend that, like, the projections were 50. Uh-huh. And I got kind of bullish because as this was coming, I thought there's there's nothing else for kids right now. There hasn't been since Sing 2, which is why Sing 2 dropped so much this weekend. Um, so the, you know, Pixar, Disney sent Pixar's turning red to Disney+. Plus. The marketplace has been starved. Batman is not kid-friendly and not even because it's too dark and violent, which it kind of is. It, it is, actually. Yes. But mainly because it's not kid-friendly in the sense that it's not going to hold their attention and it is three hours long. So th- this was... Families were starved for entertainment. Here it is. Huge opening weekend. They've already discussed the third film before this came out and a spinoff show for Knuckles with Idris... Okay. With Idris um, reprising his role for Paramount+. Plus. This is a higher opening weekend than F9... The Fast Saga in June of last year, which opened to then incredible $70 million and would then go on to gross 173. This is easily going to pass 173. The first Sonic the Hedgehog opened to 58 and grossed 148 um, because of theater closures. The last weekend that was healthy for this movie was... Basically, March 6th, when Onward came out, which was direct competition, but even Onward underperformed, we were kind of talking about how it might have to do with the, the pandemic. There, it made $7 million. The next weekend, March 13th, everything had already shut down. Um, theaters were still open for one last weekend. It made two. So it just sank. The, by the time the marketplace stopped being healthy, it was still making $7 million and it was at 140 This could have gotten to 160 easy. I think Sonic 2, I don't think Fantastic Beast is going to be that much of competition for it. I think this is going to sail. Um, it could get close to 2. This, this It might break 2. And if it does, incredible. Paramount, I, I do not know how to stress enough that Paramount was on its last legs as a studio. Just nothing was working. They were holding on by the skin of their Mission Impossible teeth. And now, and now we have. Uh, it started with Scream, revitalized the franchise. Uh, Jackass Forever um, continued a franchise success. Uncharted launched a franchise. The Lost City could launch a franchise. Lost City is at sixty-eight. That's going to get close to a hundred domestic. And now this, they're having an incredible 20. We're not even four months done with this fucking year. Yeah. These guys are on fire right now. And next is um, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Well, May. that should do pretty well for them, too. I would, I think. would hope so. I, wa- I worry that that's just too, you know, old. Too specific. Yeah. yeah. But, like, you know, kids are kids going to be excited about Top Gun? No, but they don't have to see everything. No, they clearly don't. They, um, I mean, we're just talking about uh, kids haven't seen something for a long time. They didn't see The Lost City. When 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 you see that number for Sonic, you've yeah. been listening to me rant about the box office for two years now. What do you, four years now, what do you, um, what does that number mean to you? I, I mean, it just, 
it just seems really big. Uh, I was actually, uh, I'd actually forgotten how well the first Sonic did. Yeah. Like, I knew it was a success that people liked, but I, I would have guessed it opened to closer to 40. So when I first saw this number, I thought, holy shit, like, Sonic has, Sonic has exploded. Uh, but yeah, to, to even just be able to maintain uh, the basic level of success across uh, across two movies is is very cool and i'm also just glad that by all accounts these movies are at the very least good yeah that's a that's a good point is that most of the things in the top 10 are varying degrees of good all right next i have what do i have Opening weekend, Ambulance. Well, I don't want to belabor the point. Open to 8 million. There's not really a market for this uh, out there, and it's a shame. I just don't think it was the right time to open this movie. I think this is one of the first things that they filmed during COVID, so they were holding on to this for a bit, but Michael Bay is not the name he used to be. The idea that like a Michael Bay movie flopped, well, I mean, no one saw 13 Hours, really, and I don't think he made a movie after that for theaters. He's, you know, Michael Bay, like Michael Bay probably earlier on fell into the only safe with a franchise play with Transformers. Yeah. And Bad Boys. You know, if you think about it, Armageddon in 98 and then he did Bad Boys 2 and then he did The Island, which bombed. And then after that, it's Transformers movies, the occasional pain and gain, which did OK Business, mainly on its stars back. 13 Hours, which did okay business, um, mainly just kind of being in the same exact frame as American Sniper, so just feeding off that sure. group. But, yeah, he's he's not a name anymore. Jake Gyllenhaal's never been a box office name. Source Code made decent money back in, like, the last gasp of Star Power movies. But, you know, the reviews hopefully would have helped and just the the need for a straight action movie because Batman's not really an action movie. Lost City is a comedy. So, is there anything else that's an action movie out? I, uh, Uncharted. Morbius, Uncharted, those are all, you know, it could be seen as kid stuff adaptations. Yeah. Ambulances are, which I didn't know. Isn't that weird now that we go to movies not knowing what they're rated? Yeah, I also, I like, I just had to look it up now. It doesn't like it doesn't really play like a hard R. No, I'm but sure, they, I'm sure they swear. Yeah, I was noticing them saying the saying fuck, and then there's the whole very gruesome surgery scene. Yes, that's true. Um, which I was like, oh, this is definitely R. Yeah. Okay, but ambulance is great, and it was in IMAX, and I'm glad I saw it there. But I feel like Michael Bay is going to be mainly, and I don't think this should prohibit, you know studios for making original action fair. I just think that you have to understand that the marketplace is crowded. We know what's popping right now. And once we get back into the swing of things, then I feel like we're going to, we'll be in a healthier place where this can hit on a lone weekend. This, this should have been the movie of the weekend, not like a week after Morbius, this Sonic fantastic beast, Batman right. already made 300. This should have been like, you know, last weekend was Marry Me, and now it's Ambulance. But either way, it'll find its audience somewhere. It's a shame that didn't make money. Good for Universal for putting it out. In its second weekend, as you said, Morbius dropped 74%. Yeah. It made $10 million. Last weekend, it made 35 right? 35, $39 million. Woof. That is, thank you to uh, 
Luis Fernando, who's a really good Twitter follow for box office stuff. He really likes to do his research. It is the biggest second weekend drop for major theatrically exclusive comic book movies. Morbius, 74. Dark Phoenix, 71. Hellboy 2, 70. Batman v Superman, 69. Elektra, 69. Even the Suicide Squad, which had a day and date release with HBO Max and made less money. Remember, it's harder to drop bigger when you have less money. So I guess yeah. that's a favor in for the Suicide Squad. That was all, that even was a seventy one point five percent. This is huge. Yes, and this tells us a few things. One, no one outside of um, comic book loyal fans want to see Morbius. Not a character people want to see. Two, the reviews hurt it, and word of mouth is terrible. This That's what this shows us. This movie is going to be gasping to get over $70 million. It's going to be praying it can get over 70 and have like a little bit of a face saving. We only cost 70 We made 70 I don't know. Sure. This is a disaster. Yes. I... Thank God. They must have been whee-fooing. When they made almost 40 last weekend. It is very comforting to me as the guy who wants movies to be good that uh, it still hurts when they're not. It would have just been a real bummer if Morbius came out and was so fucking awful. Yeah. And was still like, well, it's going to make $120 million. Nothing you can do about it. It's Spider-Man-ish. I. Uh, so I'm I'm thankful for that. They can't just they can't just be in the corner of a room whispering Spider Man might show up and have people go wee. They don't give a shit. Good for them. Good for people. You need something else besides the eventual tie-in of a popular character, and the idea that like well Venom worked is ludicrous. Yes, Venom is a popular character. That's the biggest thing, and to me, and that's not even what I think of. What I think of is just. Venom had the hook of come look at Tom Hardy doing weird shit. This has none of that. No. The success of the MCU, as we've said for years, and it doesn't necessarily apply because what they did was they took non-name actors and made them household names time to the characters, but people liked the incarnations of them. They liked seeing Chris Hemsworth as Thor and Chris Evans as Captain America. They like seeing Tom Hardy as Venom. Yeah, it's fine. No one's talking about Jared Leto as Michael Morbius, the living vampire. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with this property. It's very strange. All right. In our spotlights, I only have two. Uncharted crossed $140 million this weekend. Just incredible. And I know that seems low compared to whatever you want to throw at me. You know, Sonic might. Sonic will probably cross that next weekend. Sure. But for a movie like Uncharted that on on paper looks like a flop, we've seen movies like this, the comic book adaptation, the swashbuckling adventure, just flop, 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 not do well. Tomb Raider barely made like 200 worldwide and they were talking about a sequel. Yeah. That's how that's how desperate and it made like 50 something here. But this on the and this is like traditional star power concept, like the name is whatever. You're, there's no way all those people saw this movie because they finally made an Uncharted adaptation. They saw this movie because they wanted to see Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg on pirate ships together. I 
don't know that I ever would have expected a time when, like, Uncharted and Sonic 2 both happened yeah. kind of back-to-back. Sure. As soon as Uncharted was on its way out, Sonic 2 comes out. Video game movies were Maybe just... Maybe in a golden age. They were a like, doomed thing. People kept trying yeah, them, and they never worked. They were constantly, like, not just bad, but notably especially bad yeah. and failures. Mark Wahlberg made Max Payne. Yeah. Didn't work. I And now to just get two back-to-back that are, like, big hits and pretty good. I Cool. That's it's, it's cool. It's very cool. And I think, it, I think it really started with Detective Pikachu. That was a big hit. And yeah. I think that that led into Sonic and that led into... I think it's... We may be in a very prime period of... Um, Comic book movies and what I think that they're what video game video game movies. And I think what they're understanding is it's not just the idea of we made a hitman movie, right? It's we made a movie that looks good that has this person you want to see in it that is good that happens to be a hitman movie. Yes, that's the difference. And I, I also think of the big successes we've been looking at so far. You know. Uh, Obviously, Pokemon is in a league of its own in terms of being a brand. Uh, Sonic has a uh, a long and storied history as a very popular video game. Uh, Uncharted is might be like the flagship PlayStation Four franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Hitman's just not that big. Max Payne's not that big. No, so. Yeah, maybe it maybe it does involve like adapting the biggest games and not just Hitman or Max Payne. Um, I saw something on this chart that I think we need to mention: a movie called Inland Empire, which is an, a David Lynch film from two thousand six, was re released by Giannis. Um, oh, okay, it was showing at I, New York's. IFC Film Center and then in Los Angeles to two theaters but it made a per theater average of $11,000 that's quite good for two theaters that's very impressive but um, no the the last thing I want to mention everything everywhere all at once expanded wide this weekend and it wasn't in the top five, so you didn't mention it, but it made $6 million this weekend. A per the- it's playing in 1,200 theaters. A per theater average of almost 5,000. Eight million total. Um, that's really good for what this is. Eight, six million dollars is almost stunning that this kind of movie can make that in a weekend. Word of mouth is carrying this. I don't know how far it's going to go, but we, we're probably looking upwards of 20. Uh, and anything over 20 and cl- anything close to 20 is an insane success. Anything over 20 is like a miracle be- because this isn't the type of art house movie that you would think just registers with general audiences. It's not like, you know, little miss sunshine. No, <laughs> this is a weird cerebral, um, family drama at its core. Uh, that's funny and strange and hard to follow at the first half. So this is, um, very interesting box office story that's yeah, playing out. Yeah, and is is very exciting. You know, we we talked about this a little last week, just how good and cool that movie is. Oh yeah, and so it's it's again very heartening to me that good cool movie can make good cool money. Okay, 
good, 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 cool Thank quote. You. I'm gonna I'm gonna print that on a T-shirt. Okay. <laughs> I will. It won't come my size. So. I'm done. Go ahead. All right. Well, then it's time to play everyone's favorite game. Did, Did it, it make, make more or less than, than Ted? Ted? We all know how to play. I name a movie. You tell me whether it made more or less than Ted at the box office for a bonus point. You can tell me what year the movie came out. Are you ready to play? Yeah. All right. Your first film is Tangled. Less. That did make less, though perhaps not as much less as you might think. 2010. Correct. Off to a great start with two points. Your second film is another Disney fair, Cinderella. The uh, live action reimagining, of course. More. Cinderella was less. That came in under Ted. That is correct, though. You have secured the win. Let's see how well you do. Directed? Really? Weird. Uh, your final film is The Da Vinci Code. More. <coughs> I uh, beg your pardon. I did not mean to sneeze for su- suspense there. The Da Vinci Code made less than Ted. Spawned a big franchise, but uh, 2000, yeah, well, so did Ted. 2006. Uh, that is correct, though. Ted had uh, one sequel, I think. I mean, The Vinci Code basically had one sequel. There were two sequels in a TV show. No one's talk- no one's talking about Inferno or whatever the TV show. They is still called. made it. <laughs> they made it on the basis of look how strong we think this IP is. Sure. They did- it didn't work, but they did it. Sure. If they thought Ted was that big, they'd have made Ted three. Dan Brown's the Lost Symbols. <laughs> it happened. Unbelievable. Uh, a four-point outing. Well done on Starring another victory. Guy who looks like B.J. Novak from <laughs> Succession. Unbelievable. Yeah, man. I uh, come and gone from a theater near you. Are you ready to go back in time? Yeah. Uh, not that far back. Uh, another relatively recent year, uh, 2018. Dates. Uh, April 6th. There are two films here. Um, Shazam. No. That was the next year. Pacific Rim Uprising. No. Okay. Tomb Raider. No. Are any of these on the chart? Uh, Tomb Raider is in the 14th spot in its fourth weekend. Pacific Rim? Uh, Pacific Rim is in the ninth spot in its third weekend. Okay. Ready Player One. No. That is in the second spot that opened last weekend. Okay. It's not Infinity War. No, it's not. Um, ba- instructions? No, what was that called? Overboard? No. This is a little. Uh, no. This is a what? It's a it's a big movie. It's an original movie. I uh, hit big. I. Uh, we saw in theaters. For, at least for two weekends. Loved it. I uh, spawned a uh, one sequel already did with more on the way. Yes. Did we like that one? Yes. We liked both of these original films. Yes. And they were hits. How were they hits? Were they action? Is it an action movie? I yeah. It's not like straight action. It's action thriller horror esque. Horror. Hmm. Horror esque. 
I've seen them both. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. I, you saw this movie. Quiet Place. Multiple times. It's opening weekend. <laughs> yes. I, it was a quiet place. I did. I saw it Friday and Saturday. That's true. I, which did open at number one. With 48.50. That was close. On the nose. That was very close, though. That's still a... a that's still a win in uh-huh. my book. There's another one? Uh, there is another one. Uh, open at number three. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. How to, how to do this without giving it away. Uh, in many ways, uh, the last of its kind. Certainly among the last of its kind. For now. Uh, ensemble cast. I... Uh, Let's see. Was it a Medea film? No, but hmm. that's uh, broadly the right area uh, in that it's a comedy. No, keep going. Uh, we also saw this. Did you like it? Yes. Liked it very much. Very much? Oh, Blockers. Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. I... Uh, uh, Blockers open to I don't need to crack twenty. I'll go with eighteen. It did twenty and a half. Oh, great! Yeah, I. Uh, wow, that's so incredible to hear. Yeah, Quiet Place is fifty. Blockers are twenty. This is a strong weekend. I also saw the release of a film that I'm not going to have you guess, but I will mention was Chappaquiddick, which starred Ed Helms. You might recall. Oh, yeah. Your favorite line is in that, isn't it? Uh, or do you just like that Ed Helms is in it? The My lasting impression is that Ed Helms is in it. Right. But, yeah. Jim Gaffigan's sure in it, too. I, yeah. That I, I do remember that. Yeah. I, yeah. There was just, a line you kept saying from that. I'm, I'm sure there was. Just some, right. someone doing a bad Kennedy voice in the trailer being like, you drove into the what? <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool weekend. All right, you ready to do this? I'm ready as all ever be. Multiplex sadness. Here we go. The round of 32 begins. We cut our tournament in half. Now let's cut it by a quarter. Yeah. Uh, We're doing the Godfather Conference. Four divisions. Uh, We're basically determining what goes into the division finals for these divisions. Indeed. Here we go. We're starting with the Spike Lee division, the dramas. Now, as you know from the previous weeks, we are determining the biggest block, 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 block the biggest flop. I was trying to, I, you know what happened there is I said, I started to say blockbuster. I stopped myself and I thought, no, it's not blockbuster. It's flop. And then I thought, you know, you could say blockbuster flop. And then by the time that <laughs> happened, it got all scrambled in my brain. We're determining the biggest flop of the 21st century. So here are the drama flops from the last one tw- from 2000 to 2019, essentially. Here we go. The one seed Alexander takes on the four seed Deepwater Horizon and the three seed cats takes on the seventh seed cloud Atlas. Alexander was released November 24th, 2004. It's opening weekend. It made 13 million opened over Thanksgiving. So it made 22 from the five day. Open on a Wednesday, Wednesday to Sunday. That's five days. Budget was $155 million. Final gross, 34, 167 worldwide. Deepwater Horizon was released September 30th, 2016. Opening weekend, $20 million. Budget of 156, final gross, 61 million, 121 
worldwide. Noah, what are our, our um, criteria here? So we do worst profit relative to budget. We do worst movie. We do easier road to success. Uh, the movie that had fewer uh, roadblocks in front of it uh, gets the point there. Sounds like we, an easy road to me. No roadblocks? Exactly. We do so, furthest okay. from success, the movie about which you'd have to change the most or the biggest aspects of to get it uh, in a successful arena. Yeah. Gets the point. It's going to be tough here. And then uh, your legacy. Uh, if a movie has a strong legacy in some way, if it's become a uh, a cult classic, a Twitter favorite, a meme, uh, it does it doesn't move on. That's a form of success. First to three wins. Our first category: bigger profit relative to budget. Alexander had a budget of one fifty five. It grossed one sixty seven worldwide. That's profit of one oh eight. Deepwater Horizon had a budget of one fifty six. It grossed one twenty two. It's a profit of 78.1 goes to Alex um, Deepwater Horizon. Yes, it does. Quality of movie. Well, this is one of the easiest ones we've had because one is a very good movie and the other is a very bad one. Yes. Uh, that would be Deepwater and Alexander, respectively. We are tied. So, yeah, one-to-one point goes to Alexander. Alexander opened at number six on the charts. National Treasure was number one in its second weekend. The Incredibles was number two in its fourth. And Christmas with the Cranks was number three. It debuted that weekend. In its second frame, Alexander dropped to seventh. It dropped 65%. Directed by Oliver Stone. It was his first film in five years after Any Given Sunday. Did okay business. 18 years after Platoon, 17 after Wall Street, 15 since Born on the Fourth of July, and 13 since The Doors and JFK, which must have been released on the same year. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put that. Hell of a five years for Oliver. Starred Colin Farrell. It was a year after his breakout, um, 2003, with The Recruit, Daredevil, and SWAT. Angelina Jolie co-starred as his mom. She was a very popular tabloid target, very famous she had only been in underperforming live-action movies, though, since Tomb Raider in 2001 made a good deal of coin. It had a large ensemble cast, Val Kilmer, Anthony Hopkins, Jared Leto. Uh, Troy had come out, the similar Troy, a few months earlier in May of that year. It did good business, pretty damn good. Cost a lot as well, but was more action-oriented. Big blockbuster, not really going for the awards. And the film was marred with controversies, Alexander was, for the sexual orientation of the main characters, playing up the uh, homosexuality or just the, f- the fluid- fluidity of their orientation, and the historical accuracy of the film. Deepwater Horizon opened at number two. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children was number one in its debut. The Magnificent Seven was at number three in its second weekend. On the next frame... Deepwater Horizon dropped to number three in its second weekend, dropped 43%, starred Mark Wahlberg. It was two years after he joined the Transformers franchise, one year after Ted 2 disappointed, and then Daddy's Home overperformed within seven months of each other. Peter Berg directed the film. It was three years since they last teamed up, him and Wahlberg, with the surprise smash Lone Survivor. It's based on recent... Let's see, how do I want to say this now? The film was obviously based on the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, but recent events, tragedy films are harder to promote and succeed. Captain Phillips and Sully cost around 60, but those names in the titles bring to mind heroes. You want to see those people succeed. That was a good feel story. Feel good story, as most people say. 
Most, but not all. Deep water is just simply a tragedy. Many people died. Oceans were polluted. Oil was lost. Which I think was the tagline for the movie. Alexander has a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, 39 on Metacritic, Deepwater, 83 on Rotten Tomatoes, 68 on Metacritic. No, what's first? Easier Road to Success. I. It's got to be Alexander, right? Yeah. I mean, Alexander existed in a time in which stars could drive movies. Oh, yeah. I, and Colin Farrell and Angelina Jolie could have done that. And it was positioned but... as the big epic of the time, whereas Deepwater was just another action movie. Probably. Right. Alexander is trying to be like Titanic. Yeah. Uh, and failed. But like there's a there's an there's an obvious path there. Yeah. There is a role in award season for it also a big it, sweeping movie. Big hole in the marketplace. Everything. The top one, two and three are all children's films. Yeah. I. Uh, so yeah, I think Alexander had the easier road uh, to success mm-hmm. for sure for me, and it advances—not advances, but it moves up two to one. Okay. Uh, so now we go furthest from success. Which of these do we have to change more about well, to get it over the line? This is what's tough. Deep water is good. It is. So the only thing to change on deep water is the budget, right? What? What if you what if you change the title to what I something that, you know, I, I think I think your point about it being evocative of bad things. Well, I mean, no matter what it's called, it's going to be. I mean, that's what it's about. The poster is going to be. Yeah, you know. sure. But maybe you maybe you find some way to frame it around. You play up the heroes. Yeah. The, the heroic people yeah, sure, there. Sure, sure, sure. And like nobody knows their names. You can't just call it Wahlberg. Phil. But yeah. But. Some, something that isn't just real disaster that you I remember mean, from the news. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of gave this example last time is like the perfect storm is also about just a tragedy. But people that wasn't really surrounding the news. This was on all the time yes. on CNN and MSNBC. But there is something to the idea that that was just called the perfect storm and that's what killed those people was the perfect storm so like you know the poseidon sank titanic sank like yeah like you know deep water horizon is named after the thing that exploded so is titanic and that did fine and that was also a national tragedy that everybody knew ended in disaster yes so but from like a hundred years ago <laughs> i understand i'm saying there is there is precedent to just name it after the big epic thing that's going to happen uh-huh. um but changing the name might not be a bad idea call it sure. fire at sea Okay, isn't that a documentary? Is it? <laughs> Maybe that's why it's in my brain. <laughs> I think it's an Oscar-nominated documentary to watch. <laughs> that, was, one that, was, that would be that Fire would be. at Sea documentary, <laughs> 2016. It's an Italian the same year. <laughs> All right, don't. It's call an it Italian Fire film nominated. Uh, yeah, it's during the migrant crisis. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's. Just one example. It's pretty that, funny. It's not good. Let's call it uh, Honeyland. <laughs> so yeah, Deepwater Horizon. Then pretty much just I, the budget is the big thing. One hundred and fifty-six million dollars is right. too many dollars. Whereas uh, I think that for Alexander, I don't know. Angelina Jolie is like so wild. I mean, it's not miscast because like she can play that role. Uh huh. That kind of like manipulative seduct- seductress. But I th- I would say both her and Colin Farrell are just miscast in this movie. Yes, 
especially when they're they have to play. They like are mother and son. Twenty years apart. Let's be generous. Eighteen years apart from sure. each other. Sure, but they look exactly the same age. Yes, it's and they they are. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not. And so when okay. he's going like, "Mummy, do you love me?" You're like, "Oh my god, are you guys gonna make out or what?" Like you, you're like rooting for the incest. Yeah, you're like okay. And also you're like this. This kid's supposed to be like 14 in yeah. this scene, I yeah. think, and he's, he just looks like a football player. <laughs> um. Soccer, because he's from Ireland. Okay. No, but that's the football you meant, right? Yes. Yeah, of yeah, course. He's from Ireland. Yeah, I, I, I... Yeah, I mean, that's all. That's already two things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's already two things. I, You know, I think the release date is good, um, and, and it needs a better script. We talked about how we want to put the, the quality out of this, but, like, part of when, they, when it's this matchup... And you need to change things. Like yeah. one of them's already a good let's, movie. Yeah. Let let's be more specific and say it needs to train its focus on different events. Sure. Uh, because quite a big part of where Alexander lost me, I'll just speak for myself here, uh, is early on when Anthony Hopkins just kind of yada yadas over three incredibly significant moments that lead from Alexander becoming some guy to a great His father conqueror. dies off screen. He becomes king off screen. Yes. And, and has like three huge battles yeah. that turn the tide of the entire world. You know, and this just... is, this is what's going to put Alexander over the top because the focus needs to change because when, when you think of Alexander the great, the most interesting part about him is that he conquered half the world. Yeah. And to just skip to he conquered a quarter of the world, and we're going to show you the second quarter of the world being conquered, that seems like the easier. What's easier? Finishing the conquering or just getting started on the con? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's... yeah. What went absolutely. into his head to go, let's, let's go north, let's go south? Like, those are the decisions, those is what I said, that... that that make him an interesting historical figure that he accomplished so much at such a young age. And yet we are just deprived of this footage. Yes. So that is a good point. That's going to give me the vote to Alexander. With I agree. More change. So Alexander now does move on. Okay. Three to one victory. All right. Uh, yeah. It will go on uh, in two weeks for the conference final. Let's see who it's up against the three seed cats or the seven seed cloud Atlas cats was released December 20th, 2019. It's like I'm pointing out cats when I said that. Yeah. Cats uh, was released December 20th, 2019. Opening weekend, $6 million. Budget, 100 Final gross, 27 and 74 worldwide. Cloud Atlas was released October 26, 2012. Opening weekend, $9 million. A budget of 102. Final gross, 27 million and 130 worldwide. These are both very similar failures. <laughs> Bigger profit relative to budget. Cats had a budget of 100. It grossed 74. That's a profit of 74%. Cloud Atlas had a budget of 102. It grossed 130. A profit of 128. Cats gets the first point. Thanks, overseas. Worst uh, film. I I don't know that Cats is the worst film. but Out of it's, these two. Yeah, yeah. Cats, like, obviously. Yeah. I enjoyed Cloud Atlas quite a bit. You yeah. didn't, so. I No, I I didn't really enjoy Cloud Atlas at all, but still, it was it was going for something admirable, mm-hmm. and I respect it in that way. And even if I didn't, it's still better than Cats, <laughs> <laughs> which is Cats is up horrible. a quick 2-0 lead. Uh, yeah. 
What's yeah. the next one? Easier road to success. Do I need to read the stats? I think we can just knock that out. Uh, it depends. Do you think the answer is clearly cats? Yeah. Because Cloud Atlas is super weird. Yeah. Weird long Wachowskis were in a slump. Yeah. Whereas- it's got, the only thing Cloud Atlas has going for it is Hanks. Whereas Cats has a large ensemble, including Taylor Swift and based on a popular Broadway musical. Yes. And musicals like obviously can fail, but yeah. are when, are prone yeah. to success. Yeah. There's it's, a path there. It seems like the blockbuster ones generally fail, though. It's like, you know, the producers. Sure. But still. Yeah. I agree. It is uh, it is clearly Cats. Wow. Uh, a huge matchup for the division finals in two weeks. The one seed Alexander against the three seed Cats. Yeah. You know what's really depressing is mm. that there's so many movies in this tournament that are way worse than Cats. Yeah. Like like notably significantly And I like Cats worse. more than you, so that's saying something that you're saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed. Mel Brooks Division, the comedies. Speaking of worse films, we got some in here. <laughs> um, the one seed Evan Almighty takes on the fifth seed Town and Country. The three seed The Adventures of Pluto Nash takes on the seven seed Geely. Boy, I kind of just want to skip to that. Evan Almighty was released June twenty second, two thousand and seven. Its opening weekend it made thirty one million dollars on a budget of one seventy five. Final gross was a hundred and one seventy four worldwide. Town and Country was released April twenty seventh, two thousand and one. Opening weekend three million dollars, a budget of one hundred five. Final gross six ten worldwide. Bigger profit relative to budget. Wow, that's a huge discrepancy. <laughs> Evan Almighty cost one seventy five. It grossed one seventy four. That's a profit of ninety nine. Town and Country cost one oh five. It grossed ten. That's a profit of nine point eight. It's quite small. Uh, so Town and Country gets the first point there. Let's see what will get the next point. Quality of movie. Well, as we stated two weeks ago, Town and Country isn't a movie. No, it is. It's a uh, series yeah. of half scenes. Still, uh, as we recently found out, perhaps not the worst movie. Yes, but it in was. This it's, pool. it's one of the more baffling. I think oh, yeah. that as far as like you're watching and you're going, why are they doing this? It's this, and it's it's Battlefield Earth. Yeah, those I mean, those are the two. Who made this decision? I agree. Uh, and Town and Country was more shocking because I knew Battlefield Earth was going to be shitty. Town and Country's ineptitude was startling. Like, made me worried for the people. Yes. That they edited that together and they were like, this is a movie, right? I, uh, Nuts. Yeah. I'll, I'll have some things to say about a possible third contender. But yeah, it's a... There is a clear bottom three and Town and Country is in it. Okay. So Town and Country is the, the worst movie. Is the movie. third one next week? No, the third one's in a couple of minutes. Okay, it must be Sheely. Uh, Town and Country gets our vote here. It's up 2-0. Yes, it is. Easier Road to Success. Uh, Evan Almighty opened at number one. Uh, 1408 was in its first weekend. Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer was in its second. And Ocean's 13 was in third. Hmm. I did that wrong. 1408 was at number two. Fantastic Four was at number three. Ocean's 13 was at number four. In its third week. Evan Almighty dropped to third place in its second weekend, dropped 51%. Uh, the sequel, the spiritual sequel to Bruce Almighty, which made an enormous $484 million worldwide four years earlier. That's wild that it's four years. It's wild. 
uh, which was directed by Tom Shadiak, who directed Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Nutty Professor, Liar Liar, Patch Adams, and Bruce Almighty. Big guy in comedy at the time. Starring Steve Carell, two years after The 40-Year-Old Virgin, and that would make it... Let's see, 40-Year-Old Virgin came out in season two. So 2006 is the beginning of three. So the end of season three of The okay. Office. As a 22 on Rotten Tomatoes, 37 on Metacritic. Town and Country opened at number seven against the Sylvester Stallone uh, driving thriller Driven was at number one. Bridget Jones's Diary was at number two. It dropped to 10% in its second weekend, 56% drop. Huge ensemble cast of well-liked veterans. Uh, Warren Beatty, Goldie Hawn. Gary Shandling. Gary Shandling, Diane Keaton. It was filmed, refilmed, rewritten, and reshot over the course of two years. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, 34 on that. The fact that Evan Almighty has only three Metacritic score points higher than Town & Country is incorrect. All right. Yes. Easier road to success. Uh, clearly, Evan Almighty uh, has the momentum of a huge franchise, uh, has a you know established comedy director has a uh, you know not movie proven but interesting star at a uh, kind of the present peak of his popularity and Steve Carell uh, whereas Town and Country is a strange comedy for adults with like the the, peop- the people in it are well liked but I, I think yeah, this is Evan I, Almighty in a walk. My, my thought was maybe Town & Country because the budget is so much lower. Okay. That the threshold is just easier to get over. Um, but I do think that the potency of of Carell in his first big budget thing after The Office is kind of taking off. Uh, budget is just I, too huge. I think I think to the, to the point of the budget, if you think of the like absolute best case stars aligned scenario yeah. for these movies. Evan Almighty like well eclipses 175 million. We've we've seen the like the peak of the Almighty franchise in making 484. Evan wasn't going to do that, but it could have made 3. No, but it needed to make at least 4 to make a profit. But I agree. Yeah. Evan Almighty. I uh, yeah. Whereas like town and country, I don't think makes a hundred million dollars. No. Like ever. All right. Uh, All right. I could, but it'd be much harder. So sure. This was with the product they turned out. All right. One so, to two. Yep. Then we go to furthest from success. I uh, might also be Evan Almighty. Yeah. This is this is I think where though. I think I think I think it's twofold. Ev, Bruce Almighty had a real PG thirteen sensibility, so kids could go see it, but uh, you know, college kids want to go see it. Right. Evan Almighty does not have that. It might might be PG thirteen, but it is very much a PG film. Oh yeah, it's, it's much much more wholesome. It's so wholesome, like they've taken all the teeth out of it. Even Evan was like was like a snarling douchebag in the first one. Yeah, you know he was his competitor, 
And in, and then in the first scene of this, he's a happy-go-lucky family guy, and they go like, "You've really like you know changed." Like, what are you talking about? It's a completely different person because they wanted to structure the film that way to make it appeal to all families. Even though families went to see Bruce, I saw Bruce Almighty. I was twelve. Yeah. Um. So there's that. There's the budget. It's opening. You know, fourteen oh eight isn't a big. It opened to twenty. But the second weekend of Fantastic for the Silver Surfer, and the next weekend is going to have something huge. 2007, maybe not. It might be Die Hard. But, um, and, and that budget is, that needs to change. I can see in 2001 spending $100 million on just a straight comedy with a big, big cast. Sure. I wouldn't advise it, but I could see it happening. I don't know how you go. Yes, please take <laughs> this much money. Ratatouille and live for your diehard. Ratatouille is directly taking family audiences away. So is Fantastic yeah. Four, which is as PG as they come also. That's all yeah. bright colored and funny fart jokes and shit. I think that it opened in the wrong place. Christmas might have been a better release for Evan Almighty. Yeah, it's it's a religious movie. Yeah, that's also a good point. Um, whereas Town and Country, it just like if we're you know the both movies are bad, so they both need better scripts. Yeah. But Town and Country really just needs a lower budget. It needs to be a better movie, but so does Evan Almighty. Yeah. Town and Country has the right stars for what it's trying to appeal to, like that's a great cast for appealing to older adults. And it opened against nothing, <laughs> like Bridget Jones is making seven million now. The marketplace is it opened against a, a Sylvester Stallone film that bombed. Yeah, in, the marketplace is wide open for something to hit. Evan Almighty's opening in a crowded weekend, and it's going to get tanked by Live for Your Die Hard and Ratatouille in Weekend Two, and it needs to make one seventy-five. That needs to change, and uh, and I also think you got to pay Jim Carrey a little bit to cameo. Uh, yes, yeah, I mean if you're spending one hundred and seventy-five, like yeah, you, you spend can... one eighty and get Jim Carrey on set for a day. Yeah. Uh, just have him be. Just have him say goodbye to Evan, or come in at the end, or something. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, I did not expect to feel this way, but you have convinced me uh, on Evan Almighty being further from success. Yeah. Uh, so we're all tied up at two to two, and then we talk legacy, which town and country doesn't have. No one knows. No one's movie. ever heard of this movie. I had. I had never heard of it until this tournament, the uh, the early stages. Yeah. When you put out this list. And I was like, what's that? Is that a mall by where we used to live? Which it is. Yeah. I, whereas Evan Almighty is a notorious disaster. It's the most expensive comedy ever made. I, and in this, uh, in this thing we do, a negative legacy does trump a lack of a legacy. Yes. I, so Evan Almighty, the one seed here, advances over town and country. Okay. Which I think is right. I think town. Yeah. And, I think town and country is it's a much worse film. It. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's much worse and like, just kind just kind of seems to have stumbled its way into spending a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Like they didn't mean to do no, that. No, I think the budget's probably around seventy, and they yeah. just had to keep. So th- this this should have been a movie that like failed and like we considered drafting, but didn't really talk about. Uh, whereas, whereas Evan Almighty, Evan Almighty is Almighty. a huge disaster. Yeah, I agree. All right, the big matchup of the night. The two, three seed Adventures of Pluto Nash against the seven seed Geely. Pluto Nash was released August 16, 2002. Opening weekend, $2 million. Budget of 100 
Final gross four million. Thank you. And worldwide seven. Gili was released August first, two thousand three. Opening weekend three million dollars. A budget of fifty four. Final gross six million. Domestic seven worldwide. All right. Bigger profit relative to budget. Pluto Nash had a budget of a hundred. It grows seven. That's a profit of seven. Gili cost fifty four. It grows seven. Profit of thirteen point one goes to the adventures of Pluto Nash. Two Indeed. notorious bombs. Two of the more notorious films to be made. Yeah. This century. Released almost a year apart. Now Quality of movie. I yes. This for me is a surprisingly easy Gili. Uh given coming into this tournament, I had not seen either of these movies and did understand both of them to be just catastrophically bad. I don't hear what I'm not saying. The Adventures of Pluto Nash is very, very bad. I but I think Gili is equally bad while also being I just I'm even for the time, like shockingly offensive. We grew up in this era where you you used to casually say certain words, the, like the royal you. We we all we all would just kind of throw around uh, these were these words that we now understand we shouldn't be saying, and I'm not I'm not going to say them, but we. You, you know what I mean. The listeners know. I am aware mean. of these words. Yes. I uh, tried not and, to say them, but I'm aware. Of sure. I No, I agree. And so there, there is there is a certain understanding, like when you look back on like The Hangover or something, and they're just yeah. dropping these words that make you go like, oh, Jesus. Or Entourage. Sure. For instance. Uh, but you understand at the time, like it just, it was done that yeah. way. The performance given by Justin Bartha. <laughs> Speaking of the hangover, Gilly, yeah, I, he plays a um, a mentally challenged man. Yes, I is so beyond the pale of what a person should do that I have to imagine, and I wasn't I wasn't around like I didn't see this in two thousand three, but I have to imagine that you even around. <laughs> I was out of country. <laughs> yeah. Just saying, I wasn't. I wasn't checking the trades. Like I don't know what the takes on Geely were. I don't think anybody really cared. I maybe they did. It just. It's too much. It's too much. It. It's. I. I can't handle it. I mean that I and Gilly. and you know just the whole sexual politics they're getting into. Yes, the re- the. This is a good point. The rest of the movie is also quite bad. And the, someone gets like brutally murdered. Yes. In just a random scene. I uh, Yeah, the whole thing is Both a mess. In the ending, it's uh, a mess. The the way they just, just seem to trade horrible monologues. Yeah. So often in the yeah, it's yeah, it's Um quite bad. I think that the choices made in Pluto Nash are baffling from the sets to the costumes to the dialogue to the way that the actors are acting except for Eddie who's just doing Eddie Murphy sure but like Randy Quaid in that movie is making the, a choice it looks so cheap and it looks so haphazard that it's insulting but Julie has the power and the will to insult many more people on many deeper levels and it is 
the more overplayed film. So I agree, Gili is worse. Yeah, there are uh, there are two things about Pluto Nash. Just while we're on the quality point, uh, which is where I think both of these movies excel uh, in terms of strengths as competitors here, uh, the Randy Quaid performance in Pluto Nash is as like the weird robot helper. It's like nails on a chalkboard every time it's, he speaks. It's he yells every line he says. <laughs> I, he, that's just that's a good way to there's no way there's no way to describe the performance except to say that he yells every, <laughs> every line, line he, he says i uh, and he runs like an idiot like he's supposed to be a robot so his arms are at his side it looks yes. so put on it's 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 by far the worst part of the movie it's funny uh, that both worst parts of the movie are by actors who are putting on such a performance yes. the supporting actors in both these movies they're, they're the worst part of the film because they are trying too hard to do a thing yeah also uh to your point about how cheap pluto nash seems uh, mm-hmm. at a budget of 100 million dollars where did it go but there's just like nothing about the movie needs to be set on the moon no you could you could have you could have told it's me about that this, a nightclub owner and yeah, the mob yeah this takes place in like a vision of like the future nevada it's almost like they had a script and they for since like the 80s and they couldn't get it made. Yeah. And then someone was like, well, you know what? It could work. It could I mean like, you know, Star Wars is back. It was like 1999. Yeah. Star Wars is back. I mean, you know, visit space. And the guy's like, hold on. And changed everything to moon yeah, something. And Pluto Nash. Yeah. I, and three years later, a movie was made. Yeah. This is a... This is a good. This is a good time. A little observation I had about this tournament. Not related to these two things, but a quick thing. I... Adventures of Pluto Nash, Mars Needs Moms, After Earth, sure, Jupiter Ascending. You got one more? I don't. It's John Carter. Should of have Mars. been of Mars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's four of them. It's four Just that have Mar- have four other four planetary in four planetary movies sure. that all I believe advance to the second round. Do you just mean like movies that have? A planet in the title yeah. or take place on other planets? No, just to have a planet in the title. Because if we're doing take place on other planets, Dark Phoenix, Green Lantern, uh, ba- Battlefield Earth for a second. Well, Battlefield Earth even counts. That's Battlefield five. Battlefield Earth. That's five. Uh, hold on. Cloud Atlas. Yeah. No, that takes place on Earth. Never mind. Yeah. It feels like it. Uh, Gods of Egypt. Not on Earth. Jupiter Sending, you said... Uh, Pluto Nash we're talking about tomorrow Tomorrowland in Tomorrowland that's not on Earth sure and Fantastic Four they go to another planet at the end yeah it's yeah a lot. it's it's just the five the, that's a lot and the Does five Pluto planet, sweep the five Pluto planets, doesn't sweep uh, here no well Gili took the uh, took the worst uh, the worst movie yeah. so it's tied one one all right Pluto Nash open at number ten. Against Triple X in its second weekend, Signs in its third, and Blue Crush in its first. It dropped 70%, 71% in weekend two to 17th place. Starred Eddie Murphy, who was a few months after Showtime with Robert De Niro, didn't hit. Two years after Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps opened to $42 million, which was the second best live-action comedy opening in history. A year after Dr. Doolittle 2... Made 113 million domestic, and one year after Shrek changed animation forever. Gili opened at number eight against American Weddings first weekend, Spy Kids 3D Game Over second, 
and Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl in its fourth frame. Gigli dropped 82% in its second weekend to $600,000 in 18th place. It starred Ben Affleck six months after Daredevil was a hit, a year after Changing Lanes did well, and The Sum of All Fears hit. It also starred Jennifer Lopez two years after The Wedding Planner made 60 domestic, and a year after Made in Manhattan made 94. Starred Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. They started dating a year and a half before the film's released. They were engaged... Uh, about a year, almost a year before the movie came out. Tabloids went nuts for them. Benefer was the first portmanteau of a celebrity couple. Pluto Nash had a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes, 12 on Metacritic. Gigli, 6 on Rotten Tomatoes, 18 on Metacritic. Go ahead. So, Easier Road to Success is interesting because... I think it's a, there's a clear winner here. Well, I think, th- I think there's one uh, there's one wrinkle. I uh, the the peripherals around these movies are roughly the same in that going in everyone knew they were terrible. I uh, I think Pluto Nash has the biggest star or yeah, the the big, the biggest star power potential. However, it has twice as far to go to succeed. I think I think that's what it is. I think Benefer was really hot. We've seen Eddie Murphy in a movie before. Yeah. We haven't seen Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez in a movie before. And it just has such a lower bar to clear than Pluto Nash, which was coming off of a film that didn't do well and just had bomb written all over it. Yeah. I So yeah, I think I think at this time basically Eddie Murphy is not quite twice as powerful of a star as no. Affleck and Lopez together. No. So I am inclined to lean Gigli. Me too. And I Gili goes up 2-1. All right. Now let's talk furthest from success. Well, Pluto Nash has to change the budget. Gili doesn't. That's true. Gili needs a release date where it's the only movie. Do you think... Uh, I mean, yeah, Pluto, Pluto Nash, like, Triple X was big. I, I think Pluto Nash, same thing. Pluto Nash yeah. needs to be positioned as the big movie of the month, which it's not going to be here. I so those are I mean Blue Crush which stars nobody of note is making 12 million more than you. Yeah. Stuff. That is. I Yeah, I mean I th- I think I think ultimately the the budget of Pluto Nash is so high that it's going to uh, it's going to eclipse that is the biggest thing that needs to change. I agree. By far. I uh, and both of their scripts just need to be uh, burned and yeah. rewritten from scratch. So that's a wash. Uh, so it's a tie? So, yeah, I think uh, Pluto Nash gets that point. We are tied 2-2. Two to two. Legacy? I think it's easily Gigli, and I'll tell you why. Please. Eddie Murphy had a string of movies that didn't do well. This was the biggest budgeted, but Showtime, I Spy, um, and then you count the ones that are critically panned. So imagine that. Remember that movie? Kind of. Yeah. Remember Meet Dave? Yeah. 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 Let me see how much Meet Dave costs. But he had... A thousand a, words. A thousand words. Yeah. He had a string of... God, what was a thousand words about? I, I the don't... The book was coming true that he was reading? The only thing... Oh, that might be it. Imagine that centered on her imaginary world becomes a secret. Her da- His daughter's imaginary world 
becomes the secret to his success. Thousand okay. words was he couldn't speak or something, right? Okay. That's, that's a tough premise for Eddie for Murphy. For Motormouth Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Uh, that night, every word Jack says falls, a leaf falls off a tree. So when he runs out of leaves, the tree runs out of leaves, it will die as will he. So he's got a thousand words left. Oh, dear. It's an interesting premise. But, um, no, the he had a bunch of notorious flops that were not only flops, but terrible. Sure. And I think that Pluto Nash started that off and might be the most notorious, but um, I don't think it's as staunch a standout as Gili is in both their careers because they broke up not shortly after that. They're back together now. This movie, if they stay together for the rest of their lives, which I know the internet is very much wanting them to do. Sure. This is a huge part of what could have what could be the biggest celebrity couple of the millennium. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, I think the point about Pluto Nash being like one of many yeah. in Eddie career Eddie Murphy's unfortunate latter half of career I uh, will convince me that Gigli does have the stronger, more potent and worse Gigli legacy moves on. here. Gigli moves on. All that right. was uh, it's a seven seed. The division. It's we should have drafted Geely earlier. Well, the budget is just small. Yeah, That's I know. Uh, the the Mel Brooks division final in two weeks. Evan Almighty will take on the the one seed against the seven seed Geely. All right, here we go. John Carpenter, the reboots and remakes division. The one seed Pan takes on the four seed Doolittle, and the two seed Fantastic Four takes on the three seed Ghost in the Shell. Pan was released October 9th, 2015. Opening weekend, $15 million. It opened on some kind of holiday, so its four-day was 17. It had a budget of 150. Final gross, 35 and 128 worldwide. Doolittle was released January 17th, 2020. Opening weekend, 22. Over a four-day, 28. Budget of 175. Final gross, 77 and 245 worldwide. All right, Pan had a profit of... A budget of 150, a gross of 128, profit of 85, and Doolittle had a budget of 175, gross 245, profit 140. Point one goes to Doolittle. Quality of movie. I I think Doolittle is worse. I do too, but it's not by much. But I do think Doolittle's worse. Yeah, I uh, I was. The more forgiving the way, towards Pan of the two of us. like this. The things I've been posting on Instagram, uh-huh. I have I put music to them, and I've been putting this one song, this old song called Bomb. You've never heard of it, but it goes, You dropped a bomb on me, okay, lady. You dropped a... Because I think it's funny because we're talking about bombs. But with this um, tournament, well, as we're narrowing it down, I've been picking songs related to the movies. So th- I did the John Carpenter one today. This is what I picked. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good call. That's the... Uh, it's fine. They were singing in pan. <laughs> I, Here we are now. I do, uh, I do want to go back and clarify that, uh, in fact, pan scored the first point there. Uh, oh, great. With its... Uh, so we're tied now smaller relative to budget so yes we are tied at one apiece pan open to number three 
against the Martian second weekend and Hotel Transylvania 2 in its third. It dropped 61% in weekend 2 to number 6 on the chart. Based on Peter Pan, the last live-action Peter Pan movie made 48 domestic in 2003. Starring Hugh Jackman, it was a year after X-Men Days of Future Past became the highest-grossing film in the X-Men series. And seven months after Consciousness, oh, sorry, Chappie, Disappointed. 27 on Rotten Tomatoes, 36 on Metacritic. Doolittle opened at number three against Bad Boys for Life's uh, first weekend. 1917 was in its fourth weekend, probably the second weekend that expanded. It dropped 44% in weekend two to number three. Based on Dr. Doolittle, different premise, but the 1998 film starring Eddie Murphy made 144 domestic, and the sequel did 113 in 2001. Starred Robert Downey Jr. a year after Endgame. And it was his first time leading a non-MCU blockbuster since Sherlock Holmes' A Game of Shadows, which made $180 million plus domestically. 15 on Rotten Tomatoes, 26 on Metacritic. The easier road to success question is tough here. Because on the one hand, you kind of look at Doolittle and on its face be like $175 million is just insurmountable as a budget. But... Pan's 150 is not that far off. So it's not as big of a factor against Doolittle's potential success, relatively speaking here to me. I, uh, and I don't know. I mean, I think the Doolittle IP is probably more potent than the Peter Pan so interesting. And Robert Downey Jr. is, you know, we we talk all the time about how stars are less important than ever. But I could I could see a world before Doolittle came out. I lived in that world, uh, as did you. Uh, we all shared our time there. I uh, where like if someone is going to be another addition to the people that can drive box office to their movies. Robert Downey Jr. seemed like a fine bet. So I'm leaning Doolittle here for easier road. I'm going to say... Boy, that's so tough. Pan is going for the four quadrant, very action-oriented. Doolittle sticking with kids. Kids movies do succeed. I'm going with Doolittle for the all-star cast. Okay. I think Downey Jr. and... and I think... Johnny Jr. has been in the bigger movies, but it says one role. Sure. Jackman has had moderate and limited, yes, but success in other things. Real Steel comes to mind. There are, th- there are things he can do outside of Wolverine, um, as we'll see after Pan comes out in a few year- two years with The Last Showman, The Greatest Showman. But I think it's the voice cast that will put me over the edge. I think that if you're on paper and you show me the, the stars of the movies... And I get to the 80 people that are listed as a voice cast, then yeah. yes. All right. So Doolittle takes point number two. Uh, we move on to furthest from success. So obviously both of these budgets have to change uh, yes. pretty dramatically, though Doolittle's slightly more dram- Excuse me. Slightly yeah. more dramatically. I, th- I think you can do pan for 130. Uh, and that would feel fine to me. Couldn't you do Doolittle for like a hundred million dollars? Not the one they were doing. Couldn't you do oh, Doolittle? Yeah. Did I say Doolittle to start that? Yeah, you said Pan. Yeah. And so and you could do Doolittle for a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
You just couldn't have any of this shit in the third act. Sure, which, fine. Uh, You don't want him to shove his hand up a dragon's ass? I don't want that. Okay. Uh, So Doolittle's got the bigger budget change potential there. Uh, We uh, talked a lot in the past about how Doolittle's release date is horrendous. Coming out January 17th. Yeah, like, there's no competition. Movies, movies can hit anywhere, sure, but like, I think I think Doolittle needs an engine behind it. It needs Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. It needs a, it needs a holiday. It needs momentum in the marketplace. It is not going to Black Panther itself to victory. I. Uh, I don't know. It, what doesn't, are you... it doesn't have any competition. You said that you think it should be a Christmas movie two weeks ago. Yes. Pan has The Martian, which is taking up the action crowd, and Hotel Transylvania, which is still making $20 million, taking up the kid crowd. So they both need new dates. What needs to change? I, 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 think, I, think, I think Pan needs to change more. Yeah, you need to get... I think you need someone else's hook. And... I think that just the look of the film needs to change. Because I think the idea of like going to like an old school Doolittle with an all-star cast. Sure. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see how that would have worked. They just made a really bad one. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, I think uh, I think more more power than just Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Either make the whole Pan. thing a jukebox musical or make none of it. Yes. I don't have Rooney Mara do that. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, yeah I think uh, I think Pan does need to change more here. All I right. agree. Uh, so we're tied up at two two. Legacy. I uh, we we ran into this issue with Doolittle last week. Yeah, it's it's fresh. It's two years old, but those two years don't exist. So it's fresh. When it was up against the wolf, man. But is Pan talked about? We've had so many casting controversies. Is Rooney Mara really at the top of the list, or is that drowned out by Exodus and the like? I at, at least in my experience, it is drowned out. I don't think Pan is. Uh, I don't think anyone's at the top be, of people's minds. I don't really. think anyone's going to be talking about it in regards to Hugh Jackman's career. Yeah, Joe Wright's career, maybe Joe Wright a little bit, but I think that Doolittle. Because Downey Jr. has made so few non-MCU films. Yeah, this was his his first big swing post-Avengers. Yeah, I think it's Doolittle. I uh, I think I agree. All right, Doolittle moves on. If one seat is toppled. Let's see what it will fit. Is that the first time? I, I would have to go back and check. All right. Well, fuck that. Uh, Fantastic Four, the two seat against the three seat Ghost in the Shell. Noah, you do the reading. I would love to. Uh, Fantastic Four was released August 7th, 2015. It opened to $25 million against a $120 million budget. The final gross was 56 and 168 worldwide. Ghost in the Shell opened March 31st, 2017 to $18 million against a $110 million budget. Final gross of 40 and 170 worldwide. The, uh, in the first episode, the second episode we did, the first round, the one seed Transformers The Last Night lost to the eight seed Divergent Series Allegiant. Wonderful. Uh, 
So not the first time, but still a notable achievement. Yeah. I uh, worst profit relative to budget. I uh, Fantastic Four had a budget of 120 million dollars. It grossed 168 for a profit of 140 percent. Ghost in the Shell had a budget of 110 with a gross of 170. For a profit of 154, the yeah. uh, narrow point goes to Fantastic Four. I think this is going to be a real quick matchup here. All right. Uh, well, we're talking worse movie, uh, and Ghost in the Shell was pretty bad, pretty boring, pretty forgettable. Fantastic Four, I think, is just a total disaster. One of the biggest uh, rewrites and studio interference uh, making a movie worse examples that comes to mind yeah i agree my vote there it's worse and harder road to success yeah easier easier rather uh on on paper it's fantastic four oh yeah it's clearly fantastic four which is a leading up to that yeah that brings into the question are we considering this the day before it's released which had the easier road or easier road as a project i think i think it's as a project i well then yeah it's for sure fantastic a comic book movie Against you know a relatively you know back up no one no one shoot me, un obscure anime. Yeah, the uh, it's just the popularity the general of, population of anime movies or uh, in twenty seventeen in America. Comic, yeah, in America versus comic yes, book movies in twenty fifteen in America. Yeah, Fantastic Four uh, would have had the much easier road. To success. That's a sweep. Uh, that is a clean sweep for Fantastic Four. The, f- the two-seed Fantastic Four takes on the four-seed Doolittle in two weeks. Our final division, the Steven Spielberg division, these are the franchise enders, the films that tried to start a franchise and couldn't. The one-seed John Carter takes on the fifth-seed The Lone Ranger. Two Disney epics released a year apart. The sixth-seed The Last Airbender against the seventh-seed Green Lantern also released essentially a year apart. John Carter was released March 9, 2012. Opening weekend 30, budget of 250, final gross 73, and 248 worldwide. The Lone Ranger, July 3, 2013. Opening weekend 29, a five day of 48, a budget of 215. It grossed 89 domestic and 260 worldwide. All right. John Carter. At a budget of two fifty, it grossed two eighty three. That's a profit of one thirteen. And the Lone Ranger had a budget of two fifteen. It grossed two sixty. That's profit of one twenty one by eight percentage points. John Carter gets the point. All right. All right. Quality. This is interesting. I, uh, because as you mentioned, they are very similar movies. Yeah. I think overall, the Lone Ranger is more fun. And so I would vote John Carter as the worst movie. I think the highs are higher in The Lone Ranger, but I also think the lows are lower. And so if I'm um, measuring that out, I'm going to actually say it's John Carter is the more competently made movie because it has no peaks and valleys. It's just pretty consistently like, oh, I wish this were better. Sure. Okay. So uh, our first uh, our first split of this evening. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd prefer to watch Lone Ranger again as opposed to John Carter. We'll go okay. All right. Uh, never mind on the split. Uh, so John Carter takes an early two to nothing lead. And I think we can, again, easier road to success is the Pirates team against Taylor Kitsch. Yes. No offense to Taylor Kitsch, but um, 
him and Army Hammer can just cross each other out, and what we're left with is Andrew Stanton against Johnny Depp, Gore Verbinski, Jerry Bruckheimer, and uh, the two writers, Terry Elliott and something, something. Indeed. I... So that would give Lone Ranger a point there. Plus, some prime release date. It was like the big movie of Independence Day. It was supposed to be. So this is not a John Carter sweep. All right. Please Fur- read. Furthest from success, I will now read our uh, statistics here. John Carter opened at number two. Uh, the Lorax was number one in its second weekend with 39. And Project X was number three in its second weekend with 11. Uh, John Carter fell to third place in its second weekend, a 55% drop. Uh, so you mentioned a uh, big uh, big Disney movie with a big marketing push behind it. Uh, this is the same weekend that Alice in Wonderland was released two years prior, uh, which, as we've talked about in past episodes, was a huge success. Huge. Uh, directed by Andrew Stanton, who is a royalty at Disney Animation, is the writer-director of both Finding Nemo and Wall-E, two uh, completely formative projects for Pixar's legacy. Uh, he was the writer or co-writer of Toy Story 1 and 2, Monsters, Inc., and A Bug's Life. Uh, and this was his first dip into uh, trying to make a live-action movie. Lone Ranger, meanwhile, uh, opened at number one. Uh, Despicable Me 2 uh, is also listed as number one. Uh, so probably Lone Ranger opened at number two. Uh Despicable Me 2 would have been number one that weekend with 83 million. Uh, and The Heat would n- number three in its second weekend. Yes, you're correct. Uh, it, sh- it should be open at number two for uh, got Lone it. Ranger. Uh, Lone Ranger fell to fifth place in its second weekend, a 60.6% drop uh, based, on the, uh, based on the famous character uh, of the Lone Ranger. As you mentioned, this is the entire... Uh, creative team behind the Pirates franchise uh, five years after uh, At World's End came out. Starred uh, Johnny Depp in a uh, big supporting role. So it's two years uh, after On Stranger Tides came out and still made uh, $240 million domestically and a billion worldwide. Though one year after Dark Shadows uh, came out and flopped and earned a spot in this tournament. Uh, Army Hammer was the lead. This was three years after his role in The Social Network uh, and his first attempt at a blockbuster movie. Uh, Lone Ranger at 30% on Rotten Tomatoes and 37 on Meta. Uh, John Carter was 52 and 51. Was it further from success? Correct. It's John Carter? Yes. John Sorry Carter to make has, you read all that. Uh, <laughs> yes, a ton... Uh, a ton that needs to change. It needs a better title. It needs a better star. <laughs> yeah. Uh, relative to Lone Ranger, it needs a stronger production team. Yeah. Uh, so, Legacy? We're tied? No, John Carter advances. Advances, that point. wow. All right. Last Airbender, the sixth seed against the seventh seed, Green Lantern. Last Airbender, released July 1st, 2010. Opening weekend, $40 million. Made 58 over a four-day. Budget of 150. Final gross, $131 million. Domestic 319 worldwide. Green Lantern was released June 17th, 2011. Opening weekend 53 million. Budgeted 200. That's a final gross of 116, 220 worldwide. The Last Airbender. It's hard saying that after the Lone Ranger. Sure. Had a budget of 150. It grossed 319. A profit of 213. And Green Lantern had a budget of 200. It grossed 220. Profit of 110. Point one goes to Green Lantern. Indeed. I 
those, those worldwide numbers. Good good news for the last Airbender. Yep. I uh, quality of movie. I uh, I you know hemmed and hawed a little bit about this last time it appeared. Uh, here I will be more confident in saying that I think the last Airbender is worse. I do too. Uh, though Green Lantern quite bad. Yeah. Very uh, yeah. just one of the more phoned in movies I've ever seen. But their phoning in turned out like a C minus to D plus effort probably more d plus effort most of the time whereas last airbender is worse than that so we're tied at one one i and now let's move on to our little uh, little group of stats here last airbender opened at number two uh the twilight saga eclipse was number one in its first weekend with 65 million toy story 3 was number three in its third i airbender fell to fifth place in its second weekend with a 58% drop. Uh, it was based on the acclaimed Nickelodeon animated series, directed by M. Night Shyamalan uh, two years after The Happening almost revitalized his career at the box office. Uh, this was his first attempt at an adaptation and his first attempt at a kid's movie. Green Lantern, meanwhile, opened at number one. Super 8 was number two in its second weekend with 21. Mr. Popper's Penguins, number three in its first with 18. And X-Men First Class, number four in its third with 12. It fell to third place in its second weekend, a 66% drop. This was a, obviously a big uh, a big superhero play. An attempt at getting a Green Lantern franchise off the ground. It was a generic four-quadrant for everybody, colorful, fun kind of blockbuster. Starring Ryan Reynolds, uh, two years after the proposal was a big hit, uh, obviously with help from Sandra Bullock, and two years after he appeared in X-Men Origins Wolverine. As uh, who? Deadpool, That's right. in fact. That's the right. less said about that, the All better. All right. Easier road to success here. Green Lantern. Going to be Green Lantern. Uh, we talked about this with Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, and it's a... It's a it's a it's a very similar situation because like Last Airbender is a popular series and there would be hype for a movie adaptation of it, but sure. it does not compare to no. the drawing power that Green Lantern would have as a big superhero movie. So that goes up two points to one. Now we talk furthest from success. Um, the Last Airbender. Yeah, I think uh, it's another thing we talked about. When Last Airbender moved on last, uh, I think the biggest thing about it, and there's probably a bunch that needs to change, but M. Night Shyamalan just very clearly did not care about the source material. Uh, and I don't I don't I don't say that as like a a fan who feels that my show was disrespected, even though I am and it was. But just I don't I don't think you're capable of making a successful franchise movie about a source material that you just have no interest in. I, so to my mind, that is going to be the overall biggest hurdle that last airbender just needs to be made by someone else entirely. I, but I don't know if you want to uh, maybe speak to green lanterns case here. What are you feeling from what needs to be changed? Yes, Not which much. movie is furthest from Not success? much. The release date's decent. It's the biggest thing opening. It just needs to be better. It's really it. Reynolds yeah. is a good choice. It's got a decent supporting cast behind him. It just needs to be better. 
Uh, Airbender needs to be better, and I would suggest movie. It made money. Both these movies made money. Yeah, domestically. That's true. Uh, I would suggest positioning Airbender maybe maybe over Christmas as a kind of counter programming to whatever they have opening. Also, it's 2010, so there's nothing opening. I'd like Tron Legacy. Get a director who cares. Get a star in the movie for fuck's sake. Yes, that's Any, that, that's what's gonna all. that's what's gonna give the edge to Airbender. It doesn't have a star. That's the problem. Otherwise, I think they're both positioned fairly well. Airbender needs a better director. It's yeah. It's Airbender has the more to yeah. change for sure. All right, so we're tied up at two two, and uh, now we talk legacy. I might be Green Lantern. Green Lantern he is... He won't shut up about it. Reynolds. Yeah. He talks about it all the time. Him and Taika were in Free Guy together. They did a whole bit about this movie because they're both in it. Sure. Uh, he always apologizes for this. He won't He won't not let it have a legacy. Is there a case to be made that because Ryan Reynolds is like the quippy, sarcastic meta star... That it's positive? That, yeah. Not... not I don't know. Positive is kind of a strong word, but yeah, basically uh, that it's, it is part of his origin story. He gets to be like, ah, I did green lantern. Wah, wah, right. uh, as part of his shtick. And so it's kind of cu- accumulatively charming in that way. I just don't think people think of last airbenders on M nights filmography. I, th- I think when you say, what are the bad M night movies to people? Uh-huh. They think of the ones that feel like an M night movie. They think of, Lady in the Water. They think of un- they think of the happening. Sure, I think that's his bad movie legacy is the happening. All right, I'm uh, as a uh, member of the Last Airbender fandom. I'm just gonna have to take your word there because I I see Last Airbender uh, referenced as a terrible movie just out in in the wild. Sure. Pretty frequently, but that well, that can, could easily just be confirmation bias. Of, you can, I mean, you can vote for Airbender. I just also yeah. think that there's people who love the Green Lantern character that feel that was tarnished as well. They're their chance to see that on the big screen. Sure. Uh, um, yeah. Surprise! It seems like they would have wanted to take another crack at that by now. Green Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. It's another point for its legacy. They haven't touched it. Yeah. This was. So so thoroughly tarnished. Yeah, comic book movies keep getting recycled over and over again. This yeah. one, they're not even attempting to do again. Especially in the fucking DC universe, where mm-hmm. they're they're desperately grasping at any sort of foothold for a consistent thing. They announced a Green Lantern core show and a while ago, and they yeah. hasn't really done anything. I uh, I'm going with Green Lantern. I think it's talked about more as far as flops go. I. Yeah, I think I think that I think that's true. I think uh, I think the Ryan Reynolds thing like is I can kind of like try to can make a case of like oh it's legacy is good because Ryan Reynolds made a career out of making fun of it, but he's still making fun of it. I uh, so yeah, I'll vote I'll vote Green Lantern there as well. I I think it would also advance in the tiebreaker uh, budget wise. All right. I uh, so in two weeks, the division finalists. For the first half of the tournament. And I just want you to confirm these for me. The one seed John Carter will take on the seven seed Green Lantern. Uh, yes, that is correct. The one seed Alexander 
takes on the third three seed cats. That is correct. The uh, one seed Evan Almighty takes on the seven seed Geely. Also correct. And the four seed Doolittle takes on the two seed Fantastic Four. Wow. Indeed. Wow, wow, wow. Next week, uh, we have our second half of the round of 32. We're doing all the other divisions. A lot of exciting movies, a lot of bad ones that we've been watching. God, yes. And we are watching them this time, and they're fucking bad. All right. Uh, Noah, recommend yes. a movie. All right. Uh, I'm going Ambulance. Yeah, I am too. If you could see it in IMAX, do it, but anywhere is fine. It's a ton of fun. Get some popcorn. Nosh. Yeah. Yes, it is a very fun movie. Uh, not masterful cinema by any stretch, but just enjoyable to watch throughout, if I a think, little long. I don't know if I said this when we left the car, but I think the only person who should be able to film with drones is Michael Bay. Yeah. Every one of those shots where it starts upside down on a building and turns and swoops, even though it was so unnecessary, I was like, ah! Yeah, it is It is very important when you see Ambulance <laughs> that you let yourself enjoy it. Yes, because uh, those shots are so tedious, but you're like, that's just, we're having a ball, man. Yeah, and like the shots where he'll do a 360 around a person with the camera oh, yeah. and then cut to that same 360 but going the other direction yeah. and then bounce back again, which in the past have just made me want to punch myself to death. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's a Michael Bay it's because, thing, man. I don't know. I was thinking about this when it was happening. The scene that you're referring to that made you want to shoot, punch yourself in the head was Transformers 2, I believe. Yeah. And it's a scene with Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox just talking to each other. This, they're fighting when it, ha- it happens in the warehouse is the sure. most egregious part of it before they leave. And they're arguing. So it's adding to the tension. Whereas before, it's just two people talking and you're just round and round and round. Um, it's everyone's great in it. Yeah. Liza Gonzalez is great. Yaya's great. Jake Gyllenhaal's great. Yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, it's a very fun movie. It's fun. Go see that. All right, plug us up. All right, you can find us at what's in the box We are on Twitter at witboxoffice. It is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Drukey. I'm at Brian Deserber, D A S U R B E R. And of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. The Big Three, the Kahunas. I. Uh, Please listen to us at one of those spots or another spot of your choosing. Thank you. Yes, and please rate and review us. So next week, wonderful. we have Fantastic Beasts and uh, Where They'll End Up on the Chart, I think is the official title. We're going to find out next week. Also, Sonic 2, Can It Hold? Is it going to be the kid-friendly movie that's going to break out? We'll see. Also, we'll finish the round of 32. A lot going on. It's very exciting. That'll be next week. This has been What's in the Box Office. I have been your host, Brian. And I've been your host, Noah. And until then, if you feel safe, go see a movie.